Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Injured Reserve Podcast with your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. Well, folks, um, (laughs) another week of NFL and college football has finally gone by. The final week of college football has, you know, given the rankings of the college football. Um, Got a lot to discuss there. Ohio State doing their thing against my boys in Michigan. I mean, I was never, you know, I was 20% confident going to that game, but a lot of people even speculated that this arguably could be the greatest Ohio State team ever, and that's why I think they're going to win it all this year. Nonetheless, it's going to be an interesting matchup between them and Clemson uh, in the upcoming few weeks here, come December 28th. But nonetheless, first things first, Detroit Lions yet again fall again to the Minnesota Vikings this past Sunday. Uh, Put it point blank is that Matthew Stafford is basically out for the season, uh, having hip and back back injury issues. So, evidently, I can't really get on Matt Patricia too hard lately, as I have in the past, considering the fact that you know, when you're working with a third-string quarterback and a man named David Blau, um, there's not so much you can do. Uh, I mean, truth be told, you know, for a third-string third quarterback, this David Blau is doing everything he can. Not much is expected to come from him. Um, you know, a dude out of uh, the last quarterback, ironically enough, to to defeat the Ohio State Buckeyes, was David Bly when he played for Duke when they pulled the upset uh, last season before he entered the draft and became an onside free agent by Detroit. Uh, Jeff Driscoll, of course, he's out. He was a second stringer. They lose 20 to 7 to Minnesota. Minnesota doing their thing. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins, he looked good per usual. Uh, I think he's very underrated. For the most part, uh, he doesn't get enough credit where credit is due. Um, you know, court, sure enough, it does help when you have a guy rushing like Dalvin Cook and your leading front man for wideouts is Stefan Diggs. Minnesota sits nice at 9-4. And, and to be honest, I think they're more dangerous than Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay barely beating the Washington Redskins 20-15. to I don't, you know, I don't think they're for real. Um, you know, Rodgers, with all those years of injuries and having a broken collarbone, they're starting to add up. He's 34, and now he's starting to show slowly of decline like Tom Brady is, but Brady's at 40, what, 42? So the question comes into this. What happens now for Detroit, right? They sit at 3-8-1, four games left remaining. Uh you know, <laughs> Stafford's out for the year, so you're just giving what you can do right now. Um, I personally, I think it's time to, to just downgrade everything. Um, just kind of start clearing out space, possibly try and make a deal for Matt Stafford, trade him somewhere, possibly get a few solid 
picks, maybe a first round at best. But, you know, someone that I doubt that you would be able to get a first round pick for a trade like that. Yet alone, it'd be tough to trade a contract that, you know, someone that Matthew Stafford makes 27 mil a year, 135 mil guaranteed overall. So making him ranked in the top 10 in the highest paid quarterbacks. So what do we, you know, what kind of, it's hard to make an offer for a one-time pro bowler who's 0-3 in the playoffs. He was 2011 comeback player of the year, you know, and that those are really his only accolades. So how do you manage to downgrade and start fresh again? Well, sure enough, I believe that Detroit, I don't think they're going to do any of that. But looking at it, this is what this is how I see it. They're going to give Matt Patricia one more year. And after that, I don't think not much is going to come from that. So to be quite frank, I think, I think if they were to trade Matt Stafford or try to get some type of deal out of him, they probably get probably second round, maybe fourth round, second, fourth, and see where you can go from there. Just start fresh. Like Miami Dolphins is doing the same thing. They have like two, three first round draft picks. You know what I mean? So they're they're downgrading. They they realize they're in rebuild mode, and that's fine. Detroit, they've been, you know, it's been highs and lows, and Stafford's career for the most part has been kind of lows. Uh three playoff appearances. Like I said, he's 0-3. And you, you kind of, you know, you got to analyze it. It's just like, was Matt Stafford, you know, how successful was his stint in Detroit? Well, first things first is that there's no doubt about it. He's the best quarterback that Detroit has had in their franch- franchise history. I mean, they never really had um, a guy like this of his stature throwing for 4,000 yards throwing for 40 touchdowns, 25 touchdowns, you know, here and there. So they, in the 90s, they always struggled without finding a quarterback. If, if, if Matthew Stafford had someone along the likes of a Bear Sanders, Detroit could be dangerous. That offense would be legit. It would be scary. Unfortunately, it's not like that. Um, through the 11 seasons that Matthew Stafford has played, He's only had one season where he, he's had uh, one 1,000-yard rusher, and that was six years ago when they had Reggie Bush. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just iffy, and it's kind of like it's in a sense sad. And I've, I've always said Stafford, you know, he's just a good quarterback. He's not great. His overall record, 69 wins, 79 losses, one tie. Um, he's the eighth highest paid quarterback. Um, out of those ten highest paid quarterbacks in the league, six of them have Super Bowls, and two in out of those two out of the top eight that don't have Super Bowls are Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins, but they have playoff wins. Um, so the other two dwindled out of that is Matthew Stafford and Derek Carr. Um, you know, they, he was known, you know, for having that lethal combo 
for a little while between him and Calvin Johnson for about eight, nine seasons. Uh, but, you know, they never really had much success. Uh, rotate, kind of rotating coaches, going through three of them, starting with Ron Marinelli. And that uh, they kicked him out of town. And then they had um, Jim Caldwell. Uh, well, they did have Jim Caldwell, but they, that was the third coach. But um, their second coach being Jim Schwartz, in which 2000, you know, 2011, that was... Stafford's probably his best year, throwing for 40 touchdowns, and, and but they couldn't get things done as they you know they ran into a roadblock in the wild card round against the Saints, and then you know things never really things never really spiced up after that. Um, you know, only two playoff appearances with Calvin Johnson. Uh, back in their last playoff that they played together was 2014 in the wild card round going to Jerry World where they played the Dallas Cowboys back in 2014 and they they started off hot in the first quarter they went up 14-0 and led the half 17-7 in which soon they lost 24-20 now, truth be told, there was a controversial call near the end of the game where a pass interference call was called on Dallas when Detroit was driving in the fourth quarter, but it was picked up because if that call would have stayed, they would have had the ball at the 30-yard line. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Now, truth be told, you know, a lot of game, a lot of these games happen where calls happen, like frequently recently with Kansas City Chiefs and New England Patriots, there was a call where Travis Kelsey fumbled the ball, but um, they, you know, they 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 called, they blew the whistle, and he was ruled down. So things like that happen. So truth be told, at the end of the day, you can't let uh, single calls like that leave into the officials' hands. You know, and that's where it happens for Detroit. I mean, you you start off 14-0 in the first quarter, and then the first half, 17-7, you got to get that job done. You you have to put the nail in the coffin. And that's what Detroit's always failed to uh, come to grips with. They've always struggled to close out games. Um, you know, Stafford and Johnson with their stint together, uh, they combined just 54 wins and 81, 81 losses and two playoff losses. And without them so far, including this season, um, since Calvin's retired, Matthews, he's 27-29-1 overall since Calvin Johnson's retirement. And um, so you, you got to look at that and you got to think like, well, when you have a guy like you know, Matt Stafford, it's just like, it comes to the point where it's just like, I, I know there's a lot of hardcore fans out there that that defend him, but sometimes, you know, like like I always said, I, he, he doesn't deserve to be paid in the top 10 when it comes to quarterbacks, and he's, he's eighth, eighth on that list, so... We also look at the defense, in which he's had to play with throughout his career. Six out of 11 seasons, they were ranked in the top 20th. 
Uh, three, out of the, three out of those six, they were ranked in the top 15, and two out of those three, they were ranked in the top 10, uh, being 2014 and 2018. Last season, they were ranked ninth, and their best season was 2014, in which they lost in the wild card round against Dallas. So that was their best season to get the playoff win, no doubt about that. Um, but either way, <coughs> um, Detroit, I mean, all those five seasons that they weren't ranked in the top 20th, um, three of those seasons, they were at the bottom of the barrel. They were in, in dead last. So it's, it's a centric analogy. It's just like, how exactly do you critique someone who can only do so much? But also, it's the most important quarterback position and the most uh, vital position in all of sports. Uh, you're, you're the go-to guy. You're the captain. You're the, you're the man that's going to take everyone to the promised land. So, again, it's just when it comes to, you know, looking at Stafford's career overall so far, 11 seasons, um, it's, it's not a lot of woos and woes. It's not something to be like, eh, he was, he was good, he was solid, but just couldn't get the job done. I mean, 11 seasons, three playoff appearances, it's just like, meh, you know. So, like, like I said, one-time Pro Bowl appearance, uh, and that was back in 2011. It's been eight years since then. So, I, you just, I don't know. <laughs> So, it's uh, you. You already paid someone, guaranteed that much money. Who's willing to trade for that? Uh, especially with someone who's, you know, who's taken so many hits, who's been injury prone now. So, it's a it's an iffy scenario that Detroit has put themselves in, and very unfortunate one. Um, I don't know. They they have a. They have a lot of thinking to do. Like I said, I think they should just downgrade and just start fresh and just clear house. Um, Stafford this year, 3-4-1, uh, 2,500 yards passing, 19 touchdowns, 5 picks. But and he's, he's joined the, you know, this, this season, he joined the 40,000-yard passing club, which is a great milestone, no doubt. But it's just, you know... Stats are nice and all, and it looks nice, but, I mean, at the end of the day, people want wins, so, and when you're, you know, failure to close games, tying with the Arizona Cardinals this year to start out the opening season, um, and you throw three touchdowns, and you just... I mean, tying with the Arizona Cardinals to a rookie in Kyler Murray, not to discredit him, but games like that are the reason why his career is mediocre at best. I mean, there's a lot, there's a few games this season where they should have won. They should have beat Green Bay. Um, in which, again, I had another game that came down to bad calls, back to back calls, I believe, on Trey Flowers, where it was hands, on the, hands to the face, where it was nowhere near that. And they lost 23-22, hitting a field goal as time expired. Um, so you look at their schedule this year. 
and they lose to or they tie with Arizona and they lose to the Chargers who Philip Rivers is his probably his final season in LA. Um they did put up and it's weird cuz they they'll put up a solid they'll they'll put up a great fight against great teams. It's the teams that are just at the bottom of the barrel right now that they'll struggle and they'll lose. I mean Kansas City that they lost 34 to 30. Um Minnesota they lost 42 to 30. So a lot of these games, you know, they're they're all decided by 12 points or less. It's just they cannot close it out. Um so and but the the problem is is that they'll barely close it out near the end. Uh the Giants they barely won 31-26. Um, so his best season when he was able to close things out was 2016, where he had, um, eight game winning drives, (laughs) but that was it. So it's just, it's his career is no doubt statistically great, but when you look at his record, it's just like, eh, it is what it is, but for Detroit standards, he's the best quarterback that they ever had in franchise history, and he'll definitely be a legend there, and it's kind of sad, in a sense, because, I mean, can you name anyone else? It's, I mean, I guess you have to go way back to the Bobby, Bobby Lane days, when they, before the NFL be, had the establishment of the Super Bowls. And they just had titles. So, you, you go down through a long list of history of quarterbacks and the struggles that they had to find consistency. They thought they found someone along the likes of Joey Harrington. That was, he was a bust. Uh, switching quarterbacks and John Kitna and Dan Orlowski. Uh, or go back a little bit further to the 90s and uh, Scott Mitchell and Jar- Charlie Batch. It's just, they never really had a blessing in quarterbacks until now. So, Stafford, no doubt, uh, it's it's no disrespect uh, uh, to him, you know, trying to get a deal out of him. But, like I said, for Detroit, I think they just need to just start fresh and just clean house and go from there. But, um and I, I know I sound like a broken record, but I've said this for, on previous episodes before. One of the, you know, one of their mistakes was getting rid of Jim Caldwell. Um, had they kept him, you know, I, I, I don't think they would be in the position they would be today. It, Jim Caldwell, uh, he was 18 and 14 in his first two, first two seasons. Uh, Matt Patricia, right now, he sits at 9, 18 and 1. Um, with few games remaining, who knows how that's going to go. They got Tampa Bay next, and then they got uh, the Denver Broncos, and then they the final game of the season they got Green Bay. So I, I guess they Green Tampa Bay they're iffy because they they got they also have a quarterback scenario where. Jameis Winston could possibly become the first player in NFL history 
to lead the league in passing yards, touchdowns, and interceptions. And then they got the Denver Broncos, who's they also have a crisis. Joe Flacco's done. They signed him this this past year, or I believe they traded from. And then they got Green Bay. So I don't know. At best, they're looking at seven, nine, and one. Or excuse me, seven, eight, and one. But um, it's just yeah. <laughs> Detroit's in shambles along with Miami and Denver, and it's just oof. And it doesn't help that you lose to teams like the Washington Redskins either. <sighs> so with Matthew Matthew Stafford's career, Detroit. Hey, I mean, he's a legend there. Congrats, kudos to him. Good for him. Um, but when it comes to overall as a whole, compared to the standards of the Tom Brady's and the Drew Brees and the Peyton Mannings, the Ben Roethlisberger's, um, it's just that, you know, people want wins at the end of the day. He's just one of those players that, you know, just can't get it quite done. So, and he was way overpaid. So, but nonetheless, with that being said, I'm going to take a quick little break and y'all are listening to Injured Reserve Podcast. Welcome back. This is Injured Reserve Podcast with your host, Mitchell Anderson. So the bowl games have finally been released. The schedule, personally, my favorite time of the year. Um, You know, come December, I don't know why. For me, it's kind of like the March Madness, but just for college football. Just uh, for God knows how many days, well, what, two weeks maybe? There's a game on like every single day besides Christmas. You know, it's just, it's cool to see other bowl games. I still like to think there's meaning to them. I like, you know, how smaller teams out there um, want to finish the season strong and represent their school and, you know, be able to get a, get something out of it. You know what I mean? I've always enjoyed it. I always thought it was cool. Now, truth be told, I mean, there's a lot of players out there, um, Sometimes deciding whether or not to forego their season and sit out, which is fine, you know, to, you know, if I was someone that was, has the possibility of going first round, that's, that's your choice. You would have that right. Um, possibly some players may look at it, at it as taking advantage of increasing their draft stock. They want to, you know, it's the old school mentality of finish what you started, and show that dedication. So, you know, everyone has their different opinion when it comes to college football uh, players sitting out the final game of the season, especially if they're not in the college football playoffs. So with that being said, Michigan versus Alabama on the Citrus Bowl come January 1st, New Year's Day. Uh, there's only been four meetings between these two programs in the history of college football. Both split in the series two and two. 
piece. The last win Michigan had against Bama was back in 2000. And then the, the most recent meeting was about seven years ago, give or take, during Brady Hoke's era when they opened the season in Dallas Cowboys Stadium against the powerhouse Alabama when they went on to win the national title that year, demolishing Notre Dame in the national title game. Uh, They also did put a number on Michigan in that game. I believe it was like 41-14. This was not only Brady Hoke being the head coach, but as well as Denard Robinson being the quarterback. And I believe... God, I'm trying to think who they're, they had a, they always had, the Bama's always known for producing great running backs. That's just their theme. Every school has one of those schools that they're just known for producing great running backs. Wisconsin, another one, Jonathan Taylor, he's going to be a beast. He's going to be a powerhouse come and coming towards the NFL. He averaged seven and a half yards of carry against Ohio State in that Big Ten title game. In which I don't see how Wisconsin didn't remain to that game plan. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know what I mean? Wisconsin up 14-0 against Ohio State. This is their time just, just to keep pounding the ball. But Wisconsin, that it reflects on the coaching a little bit at that. And, you know, they blew that lead and they lose 31-21 in the Big Ten title game. But not to get too off course. Jonathan Taylor, uh, powerhouse running back. Wisconsin, known for producing their running backs. Uh, Penn State, known for their linebacking core, things of that nature. But either way, Michigan versus Bama. This is, besides Ohio State, this is possibly, you know, maybe the second or third biggest game of Jim Harbaugh's career. Considering the fact of this, he's now five seasons in at Michigan, right? He is now 0-5 against Ohio State. He's 3-2 against Michigan State, which truth be told, low-key, he should be 4-1 because of that that punt, that infamous punt fumble that happened a couple years ago in the big house. That was, you know, I, you know... I never like to <laughs> uh, point fingers at anyone because it is a team sport. But that play did change everything around. That wasn't on the coach, and it was a simple, it was a simple pump play. And sometimes things happen, uh, for better or worse. It's a learning experience. But Harbaugh's owned five against Ohio State. He's three and two against Michigan State, and he's one and one against Notre Dame. So, at Michigan, I mean. So, with that being said, um, it goes into question. During his tenure at Michigan, he's now 2-11 against top 10 teams ranked. And overall, his record has been, excuse me, against top 25 teams, including his Stanford record. It's been not... Not great, but not bad. His top t- overall, his top 25 record, including Michigan and Stanford, he's 16 and 19, and he's 4 and 13 overall, 
when you take both his tenures of Stanford and Michigan. 4-13 and 13 against top 10, I mean. So, top 25, yeah. Is 16-19 okay? Not great. But when you start to add things up between, you know, Dabble Sweeney and Nick Saban and their contracts and those two, and then Jim Harbaugh, those, those are the top three highest paid coaches in college football. And Nick Saban has an infamous record of top 25 and top 10 teams um, during his tenures at Michigan State and LSU and Alabama. So this is a big game for him because he... He's since he's been at Michigan overall for the most part as much as I've been criticizing him truth be told whether us Michigan fans want to admit it or not and and but comparing this I mean he's been he's been the best coach since quite frankly Lloyd Carr I mean you look at it it's you know, we, we do you really want to go back to the Rich Rod and Brady Hoke era? Not really. But they, they, it's just, <laughs> Michigan is just a good football program. And I know I said this many times before. So what, Mich- what Jim Harbaugh has been able to do with that program so far, overall has been a success. Now, as I said previously in my first segment, Stafford was overpaid and he's just a good quarterback. It's similar to that contents or that excuse me, that context of Jim Harbaugh. He's a good coach. He's just overpaid. He's not a top three college football coach. Top ten, most definitely. No doubt about that. But uh, with records like that, eh, you know, kind of iffy. Um, you just got to take things into consideration, uh, when it comes to big time games such as that, you got to consider every element that comes into play. So Jim Harbaugh, his fifth season, he's, you know, he's done an infamous job there. Uh, he's, he's done what he's can, excuse me. <clears throat> but um what is this? <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, I got a little distracted. Oh, what is that? <laughs> Alright, now so not sorry, I got distracted. But with with what he's been able to do. Especially, you can't den- deny his NFL resume. It's just, you know, he's been so close to a Super Bowl title, this and that. And turned the San Francisco 49ers franchise around. It's just, like I said, Michigan is just a good program, good football program, uh, good school, uh, great legacy behind it. So, nonetheless, the, the, the Citrus Bowl, it's huge. Michigan, 
you know, Harbaugh has won. He's had three 10-win seasons so far out of the first four. Uh, the issue is that he hasn't won a bowl game since 2015. Overall, he's 2-4 and four in bowl games, 1-3 and three, uh, in bowl games when he coached for Michigan. So... It's, you know, it's it's going to be interesting how, how this plays out because, <laughs> I mean, man, it, it's Nick Saban. Arguably, he's, he's one of the greatest coaches of all time, whether you, you like, love it, or hate it. And I know it's Bama, but uh, this is, it's going to be interesting. So, you know. Uh, team ranked, uh, Michigan's ranked coming in this game 17th. Bama coming in ninth, I believe. I thought I saw different rankings between these two. But if that is the final ranking for Alabama, I thought they were ranked 13th. Maybe that was college football playoff. Oh, yep, that was a college football playoff. So... Yes, because both those teams, Bama was ranked 13th in college football playoff. Michigan was ranked 14th. Right now, Bama stands at, they're ranked 9th in the nation. I thought that, I thought that was iffy. I thought they dropped way too far. Because I know they had back-to-back losses against LSU and Auburn, which were both great games. Um, I thought, I didn't think Bama deserved to drop that far from the top 10. Or even, or not even close to dropping out of the top 10. So they're ranked ninth. Michigan ranked 17th. Uh, like I said, January 1st, Camping World Stadium down in Orlando, Florida. And both of them are split a piece at 2-2. Two and two. So we'll see how this plans out. You know, I, there's, like I said, I know there's a lot of players that plan on sitting out. There's a few players that, that vowed and said they will finish out the season. I know with Bama, though, right now, uh, it's they haven't, I mean, this is the first time they missed the playoffs in, what, five, six years, give or take. Um, and this is Nick Saban's 13th season. So it's just weird seeing Bama out of the college football playoffs, whether people want to admit it or not. And I, I'm not the biggest fan of them either. you got to respect the program and what Nick Saban has been able to do. So... Uh, but with Bama, it, them losing Tool was heartbreaking. Losing Tool was heartbreaking because it's reasons why that some players don't want to play at the end of the season. Because when sometimes players get hurt midseason or near the end of the season, um, Lord knows what's going to happen to their draft stock. So Tool right now, he's he he's a junior, so. This is this is gonna be interesting how that plays out. If I'm not sure if he's declared for the draft, if he wants to stay, if he wants to possibly increase his stock, but nonetheless, he's out for the season. Um, I don't know what he plans on doing. But then you got other players for Bama, like um, a couple of the wideouts, uh, Raquan Davis, their senior defensive end. What they plan on doing. Uh, Henry Riggs III. 
Uh, a lot of these players, you know, some of these players are juniors, like I said, but I don't know if they plan on playing in this game. But nonetheless, um, we'll see how things play out. Um, to be truth be told, I feel more confident going to this game than I than I do Ohio State. And to be honest with you, I, I'm I'm somewhat hopeful of this game because. If it came down to Bama on Ohio State, I would take Ohio State. No doubt. It's not just being biased. It's just Ohio State. Man, what, what they've been doing. Like I said, it's just some people, even a lot of professional analysis from the ESPNs and the Fox Sports have even said, like, this is the best college, or the best Ohio State football team that I have covered. And that's, that's saying a lot for what that program has produced in the the previous seasons um you know from having a Dwayne Haskins and Ezekiel Elliott to a Terrell Pryor to um Eddie George so on and so forth you get the gist of it Ted Ginn Jr. so I mean excuse me I I think you know with them I think they'll finish out the season where are they at? 13-0 right now. I think they'll finish 15-0. and um, They got Clemson. Again, that's going to be a very interesting matchup to see how that plans out with him, with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Uh, both versatile quarterbacks. We're seeing the evolution of the new quarterbacks. I've said this a couple weeks ago. Uh, the position is being far more than just uh, having a pocket presence and being able to sling the ball. It's being out, be able to be more durable, be more versatile, to throw on the run. Uh, some quarterbacks were able to have that kind of technique and skill, but they were they weren't always known to be accurate with it. We slowly saw that development uh, about ten years ago, give or take. Uh, it was during the early stages of the two thousands when we when once Michael Vick came into that that picture then we started to see as well as Cordell Stewart during his tenure of the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, being able to, to, to run and throw to be dangerous to have the linebackers and the cornerbacks have to be more than aware of just having to cover the field um, be versatile from their perspective as well to be able to make plays is he going to throw is he going to run what's he going to do He's cutting back, this and that. But that, that became a big problem. Cordell was good with it. Michael Vick just elevated it, though, and took it to a whole new level. And now we're seeing it with Lamar Jackson and what uh, Jim Harbaugh's brother, John Harbaugh, has been able to do in Baltimore. Uh, it's phenomenal what he's doing. Lamar Jackson making a great MVP campaign right now, making his case and claims. I still think Russell Wilson's going to be it for Seattle. But that's, you know, that's a discussion for another time. So, either way, uh, this Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, um, that's that's going to be an interesting matchup, too, in the college football playoff. <clears throat> but Citrus Bowl, January 1st, Michigan versus Alabama. This is, like I said, this is one of the biggest games for Jim Harbaugh. Um to end on a high note, they sit at they sit at nine and three right now. Um, so 
sit at nine and three, and um, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Um, especially, it's not only just against Bama, but it's against someone like along the likes of Nick Saban. If Jim Harbaugh is able to get a W like that against Nick Saban, who's no doubt you know future Hall of Famer when it comes to whatever coaches of college football of all time or whatever um, for discussion whether or not Nick Saban has surpassed Bear Bryant that's discussion for you know Bama Nation I'd, I'd, I couldn't tell you so but you can make a case no doubt about that uh, Saban's career has definitely been certified platinum no doubt about that but uh, either way we'll see you See how this game turns out in the next couple next couple weeks. Uh, not till January 1st, so not till 2020. Uh, we still got three weeks to go until that game happens. And then other than that, we'll see how that plays out. As a fan, I'm hopeful. I'm more I have more confidence in this game than I do Ohio State. So that'll, that tells you something. <laughs> how I feel I how I feel about the Buckeyes comparison to the roll uh crimson tide but either way um with that being said i appreciate y'all listening in and whatnot and uh i try to stay as consistent as i can so again this is injured reserve podcast with your host mitchell anderson y'all have a great week and i will talk to y'all later